0: And welcome back, everybody, to Conversations with Adam, the podcast that may have a name change coming soon. Stay tuned. Uh, Today we talk with Steve Gazelle. Steve is a guy that I've known for about three years, I'd say. It was really fun talking to him today. I've wanted to sit down and have a conversation like this for a really long time, and I'm really excited that I got to do it uh, this last weekend. I think you'll enjoy it. So here you go. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Adam. Welcome back to Conversations with Adam. And today, my guest is Steve Gazelle. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Steve.
1: Thank you, Adam, for asking me. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, I'm really excited to have Steve on today, mostly because I've kind of wanted to have him on since I started the podcast uh, three months ago. But uh, I only asked him this last week, I think,
1: yeah uh, like Sunday
0: to come on, so uh, I'm pretty excited, so we're gonna jump into some questions here, kind of a more of a softball one to start off with, I think, um and that is where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in a in a small farming community um Muscatine, Iowa. Very hard to find on the map. It's right on the Mississippi River. On the west side, it was, um, like I said, a farming community, industrial, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of river traffic and railroad traffic. So great place to grow up. Um, Had a lot of adventures growing up on the Mississippi. Pretty busy. Kind of like, almost like a Huck Finn, right? Was that the Mississippi? That was the Mississippi. Um, Hannibal, Missouri, was just down the river, maybe a uh, hundred and sixty miles, something oh, really? like that. Mark Twain used to live in our town. Oh, that's funny. And um, my brother and I, in every wildest sense of imagination, lived that Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, adventures in life on the rivers. Oh, that's fun. It was. It was a great place to grow up yeah
0: very cool so uh from muscatine iowa did you stay there your whole growing up i left
1: there at um 18 when uh i left home one year of college and then i um, went into the navy okay um town small enough that my kindergarten And first grade was in a one-room country schoolhouse. Oh, wow. One teacher, kindergarten through the eighth grade. And two outhouses out back, a hand pump out front, and a wooden coal stove in the center. And uh, some of the boys, we all walked. Some of the boys drove a tractor. Um, Once in a while, a couple (laughs) of them would ride a horse. So it was... uh, it was an oddity, but I yeah. have very, very fond childhood memories of um, growing up there.
0: So it was like, it was Little House on the Prairie, basically.
1: At At that time, yeah. It, it lasted just a couple of years for me in that school, and then mm-hmm. they um, closed it down and then sent us into a, a city public school. But Never uh-huh. the memories of that one yeah. little school. I still remember the teacher's name. Um, no, really. <laughs> oh, there was 30. I have a picture at home, but there was probably 34. I think I counted 34 students in that really? school under one teacher in the kindergarten through the eighth grade, and we were all in long rows, and when it was okay. your turn for class— The teacher stood in front of your row. So she kinda like started the kindergarten Uh and then go to first grade and second grade. And everybody else worked independently until she got to your row Mm -hmm. and then taught you that subject matter, whatever. I can't remember what all that was. But that's
0: interesting. That's like I mean, that's kinda how like homeschooling is done today. Where, you know, you get mom for like 30 minutes and mom talks to you about whatever your subject is. Right. Uh And then, you know, your little brother's like, but I don't understand this. Why does history have to be like this? Or, you know, why does math have to be like this? Um, That's really, that's really neat. And that one teacher, what she, she was working out of a book for all of that. Or did she have to come up with that on the fly? Do you know?
1: Well, I I don't know um, okay. exactly. I'm sure she had her lesson plans for the day. Mm-hmm. I do remember like when she would be in that 4th, 5th grade class mode, mm-hmm. the older kids many times would come over and help us younger kids. Oh, okay. So, kind of a tutoring type of a thing. Yeah. Maybe, but um yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a good time, good time. That's fun. So,
0: after that, you went to a school in the city. Yeah, and that yes. was—I bet that was a culture shock, right?
1: It was completely, completely foreign, completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of that—that that feeling of not really fitting. The mm-hmm. school was. Two miles from our house, the the city school, Mm -hmm. we still walked to school, but they didn't serve any lunches or anything back then, so all the kids had to go back home for school or for lunch. Oh, really? And so we had to go back home two miles, miles. (laughs) and many, many, many days, um, my brother and I, we rode our bicycles. Yeah. So... Get up in the morning, two miles to school, two miles back home for lunch, two miles back to school, and two miles back home at night.
0: Holy cow! So you're you're eight miles in by the by the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So you were at that school, and that kind of had like, I don't know, was that
1: a middle school at that point? No, I it, uh, it was an elementary school. I went there. Um. Third grade, well, second grade through fifth grade. And then they switched schools on us again and sent us to a different school. Mm -hmm. And um, then life went on. I mean, middle (laughs) school, high school, whatever. I was never really that much of a studious child. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I understand that. Um, So... After high school, my next question being, you know, what was your first job after high school? Okay. But you, went, you said you went to college for a year.
1: I, yes, I did. But prior, prior to that, my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. we always had jobs. I think 12 years old, we had paper routes, um, mm-hmm. mowing lawns. We're always We always earned our own income. Mm-hmm. But as a senior in high school, I only went to school half a day. Oh and um I went to work for um, a fertilizer and seed company and I had my CDL mm-hmm. license so at noon I I had my credits that I needed to graduate mm-hmm. and so at noon I left school and went and drove truck for this. Fertilizer and, and seed company oh wow. Um, delivering fertilizers and um, some of it was uh, anhydrous ammonia and mm-hmm. but it was all agriculture stuff. Right. and then when I graduated, then my next year, I went to one year of college, and then um, I joined the Navy in um, 1969 okay and spent spent my time. Spend your time. On a, yeah, waterfront hotel, you know. And,
0: oh, yeah. Yeah, so, join the Navy, see the world yeah, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, So with college, did you go to a community college or was it a university?
1: It was um, kind of a university. Um, Trinity College out of Deerfield, Illinois, it was a, okay. a Christian college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went one year mm-hmm. there. Just kinda I didn't know what I wanted, so Yeah. I, I knew it wasn't
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> you you found out pretty quick that yeah. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't the college track. Yeah. So what you did you study anything in particular there or was it just like general kind of education classes?
1: Most of it was general mm-hmm. education. Um I always had that interest in um pastoral things. Mm-hmm. Um I I was kind of a little bit on the wild side at that time. (laughs) Yeah, Um, It's a whole nother, it'd be a whole nother podcast uh, to get into that. But I grew up in a church. Family went to church. Every time those church doors were open, Mm -hmm. we were there, right? Mm -hmm. But I never really made that my own commitment Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. I was almost out of the Navy. Okay. So that time I was going to college, I think God's always working on your heart. But if the heart isn't right, Mm -hmm. it's hard to get anything else right. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, If your heart isn't, if God isn't in control of your heart, whatever you are doing is really outside of the realm of God. So God Mm kind of chased me. Halfway around the world and back again, yeah. And then I knew I had to make this decision mm-hmm. for Steve, not because of my church, not because of my family, but it had to be my own. Mm-hmm. And um, whole another story. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: out of college, you joined the Navy. Uh, what was your what
1: was your job in the Navy? I was a radioman by a rate. And then I was over in the Philippines for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on a naval air station Mm -hmm. that we handled a lot of the aircraft carrier traffic of airstrikes and things going in Vietnam and was going and all that kind of stuff. And then I was transferred from there. Uh, to a destroyer squadron staff duty, and I became an admiral's aide. Okay. And um, I I did enjoy, I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I learned probably a lot of leadership from the the person that I was working for. Okay.
0: So that experience, being around all of those. I, was it it was just one admiral, obviously. Yes. It, it yeah, was admiral I was just
1: attached group. to one the one one guy. He mm-hmm. kept me somewhat busy. Yeah. Great guy. Did
0: um what what were some of the things that he did that really stood out to you?
1: You know, the one thing that stands up uh out to me is his name was Commodore um Charles Guthrie. Uh I don't know if he'd be alive today. Mm-hmm. But I'd sure love to thank him for what he taught me. Mm -hmm. I never heard him raise his voice in anger. But everybody moved. And that's the first time I really began to understand meekness Mm -hmm. and authority. I used to deliver messages from him to different ships, mm-hmm. our own Canadian. I was, I was that kind of attache messenger for a lot of, a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. was delivered. And he told me one time, and this has some spiritual applications too, but he told me one time, you're going to get put off and, it's going to make you upset. He says, Don't get angry. Just tell them Admiral Guthrie sent you. That's all you have to say. Oh. And so I went aboard one ship with some messages, and I was just being ignored. Mm-hmm. And um, finally I went up and I said, Hey, I, I got some messages here. And Kind of like, okay, well, take your place in line. I yeah. thought, okay, that's it, okay. It's just that Admiral Guthrie sent me here. Mm-hmm. Boom. Everybody moved. Everybody moved. <laughs> and I thought, how important that relationship was. That I mean, they probably never met him, mm-hmm. but his name held authority. Mm hmm. Isn't that what Jesus is, yeah in our life? Yeah, His name holds that authority, and um that that meekness that that man had, he understood his power, mm-hmm. but I've never seen him abuse it. Those are some yeah. of the things that I took away from that experience now. Almost 50 years ago.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to see, you know, kind of as I get more introduced to like the professional kind of accounting world that I'm a part of, it's interesting to see, you know, what people make a big deal out of where they've been and what they've done and what people are like. It's like pulling teeth to try to get where they've been and what they've done. And when you actually do start to dig in, like they've been places and done things that most people are like, oh man, I wish I could have had a career like that. But they don't, they don't display it to everybody because it's not that big a deal to them. Mm-hmm. They don't need all of the recognition.
1: Mhm. Yeah. It's an inner confidence. Mm. You don't mm-hmm. need to be recognized for what you know that you can do. That's, that's the power, I think, of knowing your purpose
2: mm-hmm.
1: and your passion and your potential is that you go about your life carrying that out without having to be carried along by people's permission or affirmation Mm -hmm. or their goodwill or them wanting to get onto your coattails. You don't need that fame when you have that confidence that you're moving in the direction that God has given you.
0: You know, I think... That's something that now, now that you mention that, I think that's very important for a lot of people to understand. Is because I can, I can sometimes feel like that in my career, where oh gosh, I will, I need to get you know so and so to like my work because when they like my work, that will mean that I get to stay here, or that'll mean that I can you know. I can feel more secure in my career, in where I am. But I have been in situations, like you just said, where I don't need you to tell me I'm doing a good job because I know I'm doing a good job, or I don't need you to affirm that I'm here for the right reasons. I know why I'm here, and I'm here for the right reasons, doing the right thing.
1: When one looks to somebody else... For approval, that person then has power over you. Yes. Yep. If they give you approval, that makes you feel good.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: If they say something negative to you, Mm -hmm. it puts you down in the dumps. It makes you feel bad inside. Mm Mm-hmm. So that person has power over you. And I think we have to be very careful of whom we allow that power over yeah. us. There was, a, I'm trying to get this straight, um, the, the saying, you may not remember what I do, but you'll always remember how I made you feel. Mm. you look back in life and you can look at people that you may not remember things that they did, Mm -hmm. but you can go back and look at people who made you feel good Mm -hmm. or people that brought you down and made you feel embarrassed or less than. And that old, that old adage of, Um, Nobody can make you angry or nobody can make you feel um, down on yourself, unimportant. Mm -hmm. It's it's how you look at yourself. And if you give permission to somebody to bring you down, Mm. then they have power over you. Yep. But if you don't give them that permission... Yep. you have to care first before somebody can do something like that to you yeah if you don't care if you're walking in confidence and that's not taking it out of god's hands god God lays out our path if you're walking in confidence with him, not saying that you are beyond having people hurt you or or bring you down but it does not happen near as often Mm -hmm. um, because you're not looking for society's approval
0: yeah i think and that's why especially today social media is very powerful right because When you see how many likes you get, it it triggers a, oh, people like what I'm doing, right?
1: It's almost an endorphin release, isn't it? It, No, it is. It is. It's
0: actually a dopamine release in your brain, which is, you know, a happy chemical that your brain releases when you're doing something that's right. Mm -hmm. So um, I always think it's really interesting when people say, you know, you give people power over you. Well, actually, now with these handy little phones that we carry around all the time, this is a portal for power that other people can have over us. And you know, I'm I'd be the first to say, "Oh yeah, no, I've done that." You know, I've shared something that I thought was really important and like two people have thought it was interesting or whatever, and then I'm like, "Oh gosh, why aren't people why don't people think what I think is cool?" What or why don't they agree with something that I'm trying to say? And then yeah. I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't have that idea. Well, no. Stop. Reevaluate. Who are you giving the power to? Why do you want them to agree with you? Why do you want them to cheer you on? You're giving that power away for free to people that maybe don't even care.
1: Or or don't even know you. We we right. we don't even have a clear definition of what friends are anymore, not what yeah. real friends are. Yeah. We we have friends that I don't know, I don't understand. I'm two steps above smoke signals. Yeah. But we have friends that float out in a cloud somewhere, right? Yeah. Um I like tangible friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the the comparison to our younger people and in, in the social media mm-hmm. That's not really that far different than even um, adults that will take a pastor. Mm -hmm. If you have three people showing up on a Wednesday night service, Mm -hmm. or worse yet, 10 people on a Sunday morning service, and you're comparing that to a mega church of where there's six thousand in makes one that, service they have three services. Sur- yeah. And that <laughs> that that pastor with the smaller amount mm-hmm. is he saying, Well am I doing wrong? Or is he saying God gave me the audience for me to preach to that he needs me to give this message to? Mm-hmm. So goes the small country pastor in rural America, compared to the urban pastor in some multi-hundred thousand people city. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't compare. You can't compare that success with numbers. And that's what that's exactly what you're talking about on social media if If I put out a message and three people say they liked it, then I have to think, if the message was a positive message, then those are the three people that God said that needed to hear it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: versus somebody else that gets you know a few thousand yeah. people like in it um yeah i I guess it gets down to oh well
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean in the end it's i mean in the end i'd rather have you know three really good friends than you know three thousand followers on instagram or whatever because i know my i know my three friends are going to be there for me right my 3,000 followers might, you know, comment or they might like my post when I say, I'm, you know, I'm going through a rough time, guys. But I know that my three friends are actually going to be there. Real yeah. life friends.
1: There's nothing that compares with tangible friends that you can trust, that you can make yourself vulnerable to. Mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed at sometimes the vulnerability that people put out there on social media to people who don't really care or know you, but yet people have such a desire to be loved, mm-hmm. to be understood, mm-hmm. that they throw themselves out there on the mercy of a social media site to be understood and yet be so lonely because they have no real close friends. Yeah. Sad.
0: It is really sad when you think about
1: it, you know. Because we live in a virtual world.
0: Right, no, society has shifted drastically over the last 20 years. Just 20 years. Because, you know, for for what it's worth, uh, I was talking to my mom the other day. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. You know, sometimes I just really don't understand 2019. I'm, I'm 22. I don't understand 2019. Okay? And my mom goes, yeah. You would understand 1995. You would understand 1990. You could wrap your brain around it. But 2019, forget about understanding anything now.
1: I think I can relate closer to my grandparents' era, Mm -hmm. born before the turn of the century, than I can relate to the fast- paced technological world that i live in Mm -hmm. today yeah um because it's affected the way people think the way people rationalize thoughts and ideas um things that have changed of of what is important Mm -hmm. what are priorities um the idea of earning, the idea of working, the ideas of um, being responsible for self, integrity. Mm -hmm. I see those things that have changed. And um, I, I, I guess I don't, I, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I don't understand a lot of everydayness than I did in the in the past because I think it was more tangible. It was more real, mm-hmm.
0: and I think a lot of people today are, for lack of a better term, escaping the virtual world, the phone world, because they want to have a real experience Um, a lot of people don't want to go travel to a big city anymore I want to go to the countryside yeah I want to go where the real people are right I've talked to I've talked to some people about traveling in Europe because I'd like to sometime I got my passport because I figured it was a good time to get a passport and so um, but the people I've talked to are like no if you really if you really want to get you know, the feel for France, if you really want to get the feel for Albania, if you really want to get the feel for, you know, Germany, Romania, Mm -hmm. wherever. You have to go to the small town. And you have to interact with the local people. Who are generally pretty friendly. More friendly than people in a big city who are, you know, in the rat race trying to get by.
1: So does that work for rural America too? Um a good question
0: for what it's worth I haven't interacted too much with rural America you know I rural America I'm trying to think of the places I've been that would be rural we've been to Colville a couple times uh, over to Montana um, but we haven't really stopped in the local towns and like had breakfast. Stopped at Cleelum one time and had breakfast. People seem pretty nice there, but
1: yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I I know that there is two complete different cultures out there in the world that I live and do live in is with my ranching and um, friends in the, the cattle horse industry. Mm -hmm. It's a culture, which what I would call that rural America that most people in cities would not really understand. Mm -hmm. Um, not just on the the friendly side, but the true hospitali- hospitality, mm-hmm. um, true concern for each other, the idea of if you're in trouble, we'll be there for you mm-hmm. to help you, the honesty. Um, I worked for some guys when I was quite young, maybe junior in high school, freshman in high school, south yeah. or somewhere in that neighborhood. They were all born before the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And one one gentleman, his name was Johnny Rickliffe. And he he would state if I have to sign my name to a piece of paper contracts. Mm-hmm. I don't trust it. Why can't a man <laughs> just shake hands? Yeah. And that's that was the era that they came from the a man's handshake was his bond. I, I don't mm-hmm. care how many, you know, $5 yeah. or $5,000, it didn't make any difference if you shook on it, that made it so. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't trust contracts or lawyers or Yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because if I have to sign my name to it, then there's something hidden there that you're after something that, you know, the fine print type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just completely different types of people.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. That's really fun. Uh, let me let me get to another question here. Uh, so what you're doing right now, with North American Mounted Mission, uh, and kind of with you mentor younger men, uh, kind of in and around doing. What would you call what you do? Ranching.
1: I. I wouldn't call what I do ranching. Ranching is much more of occupation. Okay. Of of buying, selling, cattle, horses. Mm-hmm. We use the livestock primarily the horses as a catalyst to teach life skills okay um but for another lack of a definition what what we do in using that livestock and taking care of that livestock i guess would be a, a part of that bigger ranching culture
0: okay so it's kind of more like a um, a life skills, um, kind of like the soft skills of life. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily I'm teaching you how to code. It's not necessarily I'm teaching you how to be a ranch hand. It's more of this is how we take care of things. This is how we be responsible. This is how we make sure that we care for others and that we make sure that um, others know that we're dependable. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. I, um, I made a list of ten, 10 elements that we that we teach with the, with the horses. Okay. And listening skills, mm-hmm. leadership, empathy and compassion... Communication, conflict resolution, anger management, patience, Mm -hmm. problem solving, selflessness, a a servant attitude, Mm -hmm. others first, uh, a physical fitness, and creativity. Mm -hmm. All of that is birthed out of that necessity of that ranch life. Mm-hmm. And so those are the those are the primary skills. There's work skills that come along with that. The the mechanical, the mathematics, um, language skills, history. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do ranching without looking at botany or biology. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's all included. Someday in my wildest dreams. I would I would like to incorporate a type of school of tutoring that uses all of the education classes, the math, the history, the sciences, mm-hmm. into that reality of a ranching skill. You can't do any of it without using, um, you know, the education mm-hmm. skills, the didactical skills um yeah someday yeah
0: <laughs> so how many how many uh how many young guys do you have coming out to do that now?
1: it varies we usually have eight to ten mm-hmm. um every Saturday, okay, and some of the the young men have been coming for well now almost four years, wow. Uh-huh every Saturday and I I, I'm in awe of that yeah and I think why (laughs) why do they keep coming back you know they work yeah and they get no pay yeah Um, they they ride horses they learn ranch stuff we have bible studies um we have skill times they're they're doing things that they don't normally get to do but Mm -hmm. um and i think it i think it's because it's a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. we all want to belong we all want that acceptance and in that group i i really believe that just about everybody is accepted that wants to be accepted that wants to be there the ones that's been there longer is helping the ones that are there Most recent, and Mm -hmm. um, I went out this spring on a 180-mile horse ride. Mm -hmm. Um, This was my 16th time going through the Cascade Mountain Range. Oh, wow. At any rate, um, three of the boys went with me this spring, Mm -hmm. and four of them will go with me in the fall on on that ride. I do it twice. Yeah. And um, so that's pretty exciting for me. Yeah. Is that they've come up to that level now that those friendships are mm-hmm. established. And it has nothing to do with age. Um, they're young. I'm not so young. Um, <laughs> but yet there's that friendship mm-hmm. that's established. And on that trip, it's with the Butte Creek Scout Ranch. hmm down by Silverton, Oregon. Um, The 35 teens that go out on this 180-mile trip with 50 head of horses cross-country for 180 miles. Mm -hmm. Such a wonderful, great adventure for all of us. But when we're out there, um, there's no age breakdown as we talk about generation gaps and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because we're all on the same mission we're all doing the same thing we're all helping each other it becomes community Mm -hmm. and um, I really enjoy that and I so much that I see in, in life anymore is that we try to separate age groups out and when I grew up, the the younger was always with the older. That's mm-hmm. how we learned. And today I think we have separate age groups for just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we need to mix that younger and older together more than what we do. Mm-hmm. My most... Humble, personal opinion.
0: (laughs) That's okay. That's what this is for. So, something that I've been thinking about, I don't know, probably for a couple years now, and you tell me if this is true in your group of guys that you have coming out, younger men want to know that they're on the path or that they are men. And young men will do just about anything to prove to other people that they view are men that they are also a man so do you think what you do out there you know teaching them the soft skills of life you know anger management that's a big thing patience that's a huge thing communication skills um, learning to care for others empathy those are huge soft skills that people need to be able to operate. And I don't, I don't care what you do for a living. You need those skills. Even if you're driving a truck, you're gonna break down at some point or somebody's gonna break down at some point and you're gonna have to you know, help that person or be helped yourself and you're gonna need those soft skills to get you through something. Or maybe it's just a relationship with your family, you know with your spouse whatever do you think they come out because in a way what you're providing is a way for them to prove that they are men
1: boy I'd like to say yes <laughs> I would I would hope so I I know the big question in any men, man's mind I don't know that it being young, middle-aged, or old, the, the question really comes to any situation, do I measure up? Mm. And we, we come to a point where because of past experiences, you become more comfortable with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that question is not as um, maybe prevalent Mm -hmm. or so important to what others think. Um, But at that age, they definitely want to shine to a mentor. Mm -hmm. They, they, They want to measure up to that, and they want to make sure that they measure up to each other. I try to limit competition in, okay. in our group um, because if someone's going to compete, the competition should be with themselves. The competition being that I'm better tomorrow than I was today Ooh, yeah. and that's success. It It's not about being number one. It's about... Am I valuable to those around me? Mm-hmm. Um, in in a cowboy language, it would be, do I make a good hand?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Am I productive? Do I know what I'm doing? Can I be trusted? Um, I had a young man today that came out, and um, I can send him out and say I need this horse worked, and I need this work work, horse work and I go back out and I check on him I mean he's it's not that he's just abandoned out there but I can trust him Mm -hmm. and that's what a person grows into and it's not about being number one or winning Um, you know as I, I jokingly say boot hill was full of gunfighters who thought they were number one until they became number two. You can't stay number one. Yeah. It's impossible. There's always going to be somebody younger, faster, bigger, stronger. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. And if you're depending on that for your own value, you're going to be drastically disappointed. But if you're saying, "I'm better tomorrow than I was today," mm-hmm. name the subject, um, then I'm a winner. You know, we yeah. we where where in the world do we get that in Olympics in a race Olympic race? Someone comes in number four, and they don't. Find their way up into the gold, silver, or bronze, somehow they're a loser. They're the fourth fastest person in the world. (laughs) If they ran faster that day than they did the day before, Mm -hmm. then they won. Yeah. That's what I want to instill, or one of the things that I want to instill. I'm not in competition with anybody. I've got nothing to prove to anybody. I just want to be better tomorrow than I am today. Mm-hmm. I want to be more useful to society tomorrow than I am today. Mm-hmm. Can I be more trusted tomorrow than today? Jesus said that the one that can be trusted with a little thing will be given more. Mm-hmm. I just want to be trusted with the little things and if I get more fine if I not then I will still be the best I can be with what God has asked me to do
2: hmm
0: I think I think that is one of the more healthy mindsets that you can give to a younger person because a lot of it a lot of a lot of society that I that I have seen especially when it comes to school and grades and all that um is i have to be the best i have to be the number one in class otherwise i don't feel good about myself and a lot of people that are um they get the best grades in my class or got the best grades in my class since i graduated i'm not there anymore it's past tense (laughs) um lucky you yeah yeah seriously um But a lot of the people that got the best grades, they weren't ever happy with it. They were like, okay, cool. I got a 90 on this test. And then if you gave them a quiz the next day and they got anything like below a 90, 90%, an A. If they got below an A, it's like you took their birthday away. And I I just sat there and I was like, you're kidding. You just did better than 70% of this class. And you're telling me that it's the worst day of your week because you got a 70 on a test and you passed. Huh. So it's it's interesting what we give value, I think. And what we, you know, have said, this really matters to the point that it's going to ruin my week if I don't do the best at this. And it also comes back that... When I use that mindset, I feel a lot better about myself. So I did competitive three-position shooting. It's Olympic-style shooting, right? You shoot a little 22 at 50 feet, 50 yards, or 100 yards. And you shoot it from prone, kneeling, and then standing in a certain order. And the biggest thing that everybody would tell the people just coming into the club was you're not in competition with anybody else here. You may be put on the line right next to them and you may be competing for a in a bracket. But the only thing that matters, really, in the long term, is that you beat yourself every time you go and do that match or every time you come to practice that you learn something new. That's the only thing that matters. And once I stopped thinking that I had to beat the next person, the person next to me on the line because there was always another match in a month. I could always beat him again in a month. Right. Or you'd get moved up to the next bracket and then you'd be at the bottom of that bracket and you wouldn't win anything for half a year. And then all of a sudden you would work your way to the top and you're like, all right, you know, but continually looking to beat yourself, your last high score, your last record or, you know, being more responsible the next time. I'm going to be more kind the next time I walk into a room full of people. Um, You know, when I talk with my family, I'm going to be more empathetic. I'm going to practice better communication skills. I think that's really important for younger people to understand because that develops a... I'm not... Well... I'll say it like this. To a certain extent, everybody is unique and they have their own little quirks that they have to work through. Um, But they need to... um, Oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought. They can make themselves better every day and they don't have to get stuck in the moment.
1: Well, here's the thing about competition. One it creates trade secrets, right? Mm-hmm. I'm oh, not yeah. going to share with you yeah, it does. because, you know, and this this goes a lot into business and everything. I'm not going to share with you because I don't want you to be as good as I am. Mm-hmm. But for the person who is others-oriented, I think it was Ronald Reagan said, you can do all kinds of things if you don't worry about who gets the credit. If <laughs> If you're <Yeah>. really others-oriented... <laughs> I want you to be as good as I am because that's going to make me even better. So in your shooting analogy, if you've been shooting for one year Mm -hmm. and you're shooting against people who just came into the program, you're going to be number one. But what if you shooting at one year and you move into a group of people that's been shooting for 10 years.
0: Completely different skill Now levels. you're at the bottom. That's right.
1: But because you're at the bottom, you're shooting with people whose skill level is so much higher. Mm-hmm. The only place that that's going to make for you is to become better because you're shooting with people. Who are better. Mm-hmm. We, I, I really think our sights, no pun intended, are or <laughs> shooting too low. Yeah. We need to be, you will become like the people you hang out with. If you want to be number one, shoot with people that's only been shooting for two weeks. You'll always be number one. Yeah. You'll yeah. always be their hero, but you'll never get any better. hmm You've got to go shoot with people who are much better than you are, and they will teach you how to become better. Mm -hmm. You'll always rise up to the occasion. And um, I I think that's what a lot of times what competition um, takes away. I, I, I like to rope. I'm not good at it. But I like to do it. Mm -hmm. I've watched guys who are very good give their trade secrets away. Mm -hmm. If you do this and this, it'll make you so much better. Why do they do that? Because they're confident. And because they want to help somebody else become better.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They want to become that mentor. Yeah, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, Bible Paul, said, "Watch me, do what I do," mm-hmm. um, and that's that's kind of what I hear you saying anyway. Is you know, um, grow, be around people you want to be like. Be around those that can lift you up, mm-hmm. not bring you down Yeah, as Forrest Gump said that's all I got to say about that
0: yeah yeah you know and what's interesting is the most rewarding experiences I've ever had are directly tied into mentoring other people or are um, me giving for lack of a better term my trade secret to somebody else me saying, Hey, listen, I know I've been in I've been in your situation. I think you should consider X, Y, and Z. And they go, Oh, I've never thought of it like that. Um I took my grandma shooting and she's very scared of shooting, and she had this little handgun that she was gonna shoot. And it was I thought it was going to be very difficult because it's really small and it's shooting a really snappy cartridge, and I shoot it and it's great. It works fine. Uh, it feels great to shoot. But um, what was really interesting is uh, she was <laughs> when she started shooting. I had her. Um, I had her uh, dry fire it basically so fire it without a round in the chamber and after a couple times of doing that she uh she went back to shooting live ammo and she did great and it made me feel really good because I was able to mentor somebody through that because I've been there before I've been scared to do things like that and I've had to work myself through it so um I don't know that's always that's always been kind of fun for me yeah
1: when when I've been teaching people knew things, um, training, whatever. Um, I had three C's that I wanted to teach. I wanted them to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted them to be confident. And then competence came on its own Mm -hmm. because you eliminated the fear, Mm you know, So if you if you if you're comfortable you don't mm-hmm. have to be afraid. Uh, and fear comes in you know I, how do I look in front of my peer? Mm-hmm. That's that's a fear. But if you're comfortable, if you're made to feel comfortable, you can't do this wrong. You're not responsible for what you don't know. But I'm going <sighs> to teach you everything you do know. Pick that up. Yeah. Hold it. Look at it. Play with it. You're not going to break it. Pretty soon you become confident. Mm -hmm. And then the more that you use it, competence comes with confidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something to be... That's something to think about for a while, I think. Kind of put it in there and let it sit. So, we kind of talked about this a little bit before uh, we started, but was there a pivotal moment or kind of experience in your life that, I said, instantaneously shaped the way you think or just fundamentally changed the way that you thought?
1: I I would have to say what that instantaneous moment was when I surrendered my life to Jesus. Mm-hmm that might sound trite or everybody says that. However, in in Second Corinthians five seventeen, it says that when we surrender to Jesus, the old passes away and all things become new, we become a new creation. In Christ, our heart is changed. That old, what was old, all that stuff that was holding us back, mm-hmm. we have a whole new beginning. That's that instantaneous change that set me on a new life course. Mm-hmm. That old person, that old sailor, which I'm ashamed of. Mm-hmm. But I can see that comparison now. People Mm -hmm. then would never recognize me because that old Steve has died. Mm -hmm. It's the new Steve that lives. And we can't change our own hearts. Only Jesus can change the heart. It's Mm -hmm. like the leopard changing his spots, right? He Mm -hmm. can't. but Jesus can give me a new life. That's the instantaneous thing. Now, there's been other things in life yeah. that has influenced me. Um, but that would be what I would say for anybody has to be that pivotal time. Mm-hmm. Old Steve dies. New Steve has a new beginning. Okay. That's what I would want for everybody, actually.
0: Yeah that radical shift from living for yourself to living for Christ and living for others. Right. Correct. That's a that's a good one. I mean, cuz that's honestly that's probably the one of the biggest changes you can make is shifting your attitude, shifting your focus away from filling up your own desires.
1: It changes you from self motivated to others motivated, um, if there's two other things that that change in my life, the way I live, the way I think, number one has to be my marriage mm. um, and for for a lot of of reasons, but marriage makes you live for someone else. Mm -hmm. and another individual, um, an author, um, his name is Gail Irwin, Mm -hmm. and he wrote the book Jesus Style, and it's a study of the character of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and that character just of Jesus flies in the face of what we're taught that life should be like, Mm -hmm. And until we understand what that character of Jesus stood for, and when you begin to implement that, Mm -hmm. you cannot go on through life without radically changing the way you look at things. Mm -hmm. And um, if someone really wants... A radical change, study the character of Jesus, and then begin through the Holy Spirit, because you could never do it on your own, begin to pray towards that and implement that, and you will have a radically changed life. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus does, changes yeah. lives. Yeah. Um,
0: so just so that we can kind of wrap it up here. Sure. Uh, what's some life advice or what kind of life advice do you have for young people who may be listening and they're like, man, this, this guy's got some good knowledge, a lot of wisdom.
1: I had a couple and, and when you gave me the questions, um, yesterday or mm-hmm. yesterday evening, this is the one that I thought about the most. And first I would I want people to realize that my advice was, would be Jesus is not past tense. Jesus mm. is not a was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Jesus is. He is alive today. We must understand the implications of this. Um, It's not 2000 years ago. He lived, Mm -hmm. he lives now. And the second is the understanding of the character of Jesus that, that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. understand that and implement that into your life. Um, in essence was is the servant attitude the others first attitude mm-hmm. um, self second and you will find that as you serve from the heart at that you serve you find yourself to be a leader mm-hmm. a leader is a servant as you serve others, you begin to influence others. It almost sounds like a contradiction, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Um, And then third, along with that idea of influence, is to be the example. Mm. We are called to be the example. We're not called to be the follower. We're called to be the light. We're called to stand out Mm -hmm. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Do not let people look down on your youthfulness, but in speech, Mm -hmm. in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity. Be the example of one who believes. I think that's probably the greater advice that I could give anybody is that you take those those five examples there of speech conduct love faith and purity and put those into practice as being the example not the follower why do we want to follow what the world gives us that we know brings us down Mm -hmm. when we have a choice of not only lifting ourselves up, but everybody around us. Mm. Be the example. Don't follow somebody else's example. And then the last one, I I found this quite humorous. Uh, There was another radio broadcast that I was listening to, Mm -hmm. an interview such as this, and it was an older pastor, Mm -hmm. retired, and the younger pastor was doing the interviewing. And he asked the older pastor, he said, can you give us any advice from your age of wisdom? Mm-hmm. And the old pastor thought for a second, was kind of quiet. And he said, don't take a laxative with a sleeping pill. Oh, gosh. No. So there's my last one with a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> great great sense <laughs> of advice. Yeah
0: that, that you know what I can see why that would be good advice. I can see why. <laughs> All right. Well thanks for coming on Steve. Thank you for having this me. Is... I hope
1: it was helpful. I truly enjoyed it and um onward and forward for the king and for the kingdom.
0: Yes. And if you if you were listening to this I'm hoping you got something out of it. I got a lot of stuff out of this. I'm going to have to go listen a second time. Number one, to edit. Just to put a uh, a front part onto it where I introduce it and then talk it out. But uh, no, there's a lot of stuff in there. That's jam-packed. So thanks for coming on, and I will catch everybody else next time. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I listened to this back again um, when I was kind of making sure that there wasn't any mic pops or anything like that. And I got a lot of stuff out of it that I didn't even get when I was sitting there with Steve. So I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. You're a super fan if you're here till this point. Post it in the comments below. I'll catch you guys next time. Hopefully we'll have some fun content coming up pretty soon. It's been kind of serious content, I know, for the last couple weeks, but I'll see what I can do to lighten it up a bit for you guys. So until then, I'll, I'll see you later.